Welcome everyone to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am joined by PFF's lead fantasy analyst, the great Nathan Yonke. Nate, what's up? Hey, we had another fun day of football yesterday. Some fairly exciting plays, a Hail Mary that ended up working out, a lateral that ended up very, very close to working out, but good day of football overall. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The lateral was my favorite. I I was really mm-hmm. rooting for that to to convert, but like just inches, man. It was crazy. So, this is what we get every single week. We get exciting stuff um in the NFL and we'll have lots of uh fantasy football takeaways to kind of go over here. Um we're live, so anybody on the YouTube, feel free to ask questions in the YouTube chat. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe to the PFF Fantasy YouTube channel as well. That helps us a lot so we can uh, help you sort all these key fantasy datas from week two. But like I said, another exciting week in the NFL. And for fantasy football, of course, there's never a shortage of stuff to talk about. So we're going to go game by game again, break it all down. But before we do, I want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. Uh, fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states, prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Nate, let's start things off here with the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, the first thing I, I think that we could maybe start with here is the Ravens, once again, were a top 10 team in run rate. So still waiting on maybe that more pass heavy Todd Munkin offense. So Nate, with Baltimore leaning into the run, even with J.K. Dobbins done for the year, uh, what did this backfield look like uh, in week two? It was pretty much what we expected it to be. It was Justice Hill and Gus Edwards leading the way. Uh, Hill saw the majority of snaps uh, on early downs as well as passing downs. The passing downs was not a surprise. Expected maybe Gus Edwards to see a slightly bigger lead on early downs compared to what we saw So um, Edwards did end up scoring the touchdown at the goal line, even though Hill had more goal line opportunities. Edwards also had more rushing yards. So while Edwards had the better fantasy game here, I think Hill will probably be the better fantasy back going forward. I could see him scoring some touchdowns down the line, and I expect this to continue to be a kind of split between the two in terms of how much they're running the ball. Um, It would take Baltimore throwing the ball to running backs a bit more for Hill to be a lot better, but uh, the really big thing is Melvin Gordon did not get involved on offense at all. So the fact that this is a two-man committee instead of a three-man committee is definitely helpful for the fantasy value for both Hill and Edwards. So uh, both are still available in plenty of ESPN leagues. So both of them are near the top of the running back waiver wires this week. But I think we'll continue to see these two guys together going forward. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. We we talked about it last week, and you know, if we had to pick one, we were picking Justice Hill. The the touchdown for Gus Edwards doesn't really change anything for me. Um, just looking at the usage, I'm happy to trust uh, Justin Hill, Justice Hill. If I had to pick one going forward, um, so that's the Ravens running backs. But I do want to quickly touch on one of their wide receivers here, uh, Zay Flowers, who just a 15% target rate, but quickly becoming like one of the most electric players in the league as the Ravens continue to find ways to get the ball in his hands. Three targets on wide receiver screen passes. He added an end around carry in the red zone. Um, had the deep one, obviously, that was the big highlight real play. But good to see that even with Mark Andrews back, uh, Flowers was like far from an afterthought for this offense. Uh, he had 87% route participation, which led the team. Um, they did go back to Andrews more on like third and fourth down as their go-to this week after Flowers led the league in targets in that regard last week. But especially now, if Odell Beckham is going to miss any time, there's maybe potentially more opportunity for Flowers to inevitably command an even larger target share uh, in this offense. Uh, Yeah, I'm generally going to trust him going forward. I'm just a little bit concerned about just how many weapons Baltimore has on their offense. Uh, They had a bit more of a rotation of wide receivers this week compared to last week. Um, even before Beckham's injury, we saw Rashad Bateman, Nelson Aguilar, Devin DuVernay all see double-digit snaps in the first half. So having a five wide receiver deep rotation isn't the best thing in the world. <coughs> Flowers still led that rotation, still ran plenty of routes. Ideally, would see a little bit higher target share like you saw in week one. But I think uh, that should be relatively fine going forward, um, especially Next week, uh, they play Indianapolis, which should be a fairly fa- fairly favorable matchup for Flowers. So definitely trusting him in my starting lineup going forward. Just not sure he will continue to reach higher and higher heights as long as Baltimore continues to use this many wide receivers and have guys like Nelson Aguilar lead the team in receiving yards. Yeah, good call for sure. Um, all right, how about with the Bengals offense? They did have a much better showing this week uh, than last week, but... That's not necessarily setting the bar too high. Um, and they, they still certainly had their struggles in this one, which is kind of what we expected and, and talked about on the preview show as well. But T. Higgins at least made up for the goose egg um, last week with 12 targets, eight receptions, 89 yards, and two touchdowns. But what else did the Bengals off- offense show us here um, as they head into a week three Monday night football game? Yeah, I'll be honest, a team like the Bengals, we probably won't be covering too many more weeks on this show going forward just because uh, my reports are very much based on usage and how usage changes. And with Cincinnati, usage very, very rarely changes uh, since they've had this coaching staff. We see Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd play in 11 personnel. They almost always stay in 11 personnel. Yeah, they'll have a fourth wide receiver rotating in here and there. Um, they have a clear starting tight end. Yeah, it changes every year, but Irv Smith continues to be that receiving tight end. Drew Sample, the blocking tight end, and then Joe Mixon's the early down back, and they have a third down back. So that doesn't really change week in and week out. So there isn't typically much to report on Cincinnati. This week, there was a little bit in that uh, Chris Evans, uh, their running back who's relatively young and a passing down back, wasn't active in this game due to a hamstring injury. Uh, Both Evans and Williams kind of split that passing down role last week, leaving Mixon to not really see many opportunities on third down. Um, He did play at times on third down 
this week. So we did see a slight increase in Mixon's role in this game compared to last week, but he also didn't see any targets on third down in this game. So it didn't really impact him, his fantasy performance this week. Uh, he did catch four passes for 36 yards, but those occurred on first and second down. So uh, Evans continues to miss time. Mixon could see the slight increase in playing time going forward, but I also would not be surprised if Evans is back next week and we're back to seeing mostly Evans and Travion Williams on third downs and Mixon continues to have the same role he had throughout his career of dominating early down snaps, dominating short yardage situations. Perfect. Makes sense. Um, all right. Anything else from Bengals Ravens or you want to move on to Chargers Titans here? Uh, let's go to the Chargers. Awesome. All right. So yeah, Austin Eckler, um, ruled out for this game, obviously dealing with that ankle injury. We don't know if he's going to be back for week three. It's possible, I guess. But Josh Kelly um, stepped in, didn't come close to Austin Eckler levels of production. So what did Kelly's usage uh, look like with, with Austin Eckler out? Uh, so playing time itself was great. Uh, he saw more playing time than Austin Eckler typically sees the Chargers like keeping Eckler fresh. So they limit his playing time, especially at his size, but they were had no problem making Kelly the every down back. He was the clear running back in every situation, just off the field on a couple plays here and there. So it was great to see him on the field so much. Uh, he did run the ball 13 times, but only gained 39 yards. And the big thing is Kelly is not nearly the receiver that Eckler is. So um, he did not have, he didn't catch a single target in this game. It was more of the targets going to the wide receivers than we've seen in the past. So Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, those are the kind of players that really saw a boost in fantasy in this game because they saw their increased targets where Kelly just was their running back. So if this continues, Kelly's probably someone that could still be in fantasy starting lineups if it's a good matchup. But if it's not a good matchup, then hopefully there is someone that's better on your roster. For sure. And you mentioned Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Gerald Everett was next in line as the most productive pass catcher for the Chargers after those two guys. Looking at Gerald Everett's uh, usage from this game, is he a trustworthy fantasy tight end given this usage? I probably am not currently trusting him. His playing time has slowly but steadily been declining in his time with the Chargers. Uh, Donald Parham Jr. is someone that they've liked and trusted and he uh, last week, I noted that he was seeing more playing time than usual, and that just continued to increase. Um, one of the big changes this year is Trey McKitty last season was part of that three-man rotation at tight end, uh, but it was Stone Smart, who was an undrafted rookie last season, who's overtaken McKitty on the depth chart and also has started seeing a bit more playing time this year. So we're again seeing a three-man rotation this year like we did last year. The big difference is last year, Everett, his part of the rotation was playing on clear passing downs, not playing as much on early downs, where now these three tight ends are more or less getting used interchangeably in the offense. Uh, yeah, there's still a slight tendency of Everett being in on passing downs, but as long as it's a three-man rotation where everyone's going in and out interchangeably, Everett's playing less than 50% of offensive snaps, even though he played very well in this game. If this playing time continues, then I probably don't need him on my fantasy roster. It's really hard to really trust any wide receiver or tight end who's playing less than 50% of offensive snaps. So, yeah, he should have some good games going forward because he's a talented tight end. But as long as the Chargers 
view some of their other tight ends as talented tight ends as well. We could very well see this as a situation uh, like Seattle, like Indianapolis, where they have just three players that they like, they rotate them in and out. And even though they're talented, we can't trust them for fantasy because we have no idea whose week it'll be this week or when any player will have a good game. Yeah, makes sense there for sure. Um, how about the the Tennessee Titans here? So not the best day for DeAndre Hopkins, but he also didn't practice this week. So was his usage uh, and, and production, do you think, a, a result of this? Was this kind of by design for, for Tennessee, do you think? I think so, yeah. I was a little surprised to see them limit Hopkins as much as they did. It was very much by situation. Whenever they wanted... Uh, and whenever it was a clear passing situation, when they were in 11 personnel, Hopkins was on the field. He was on it for 27 of 29 snaps and 11 personnel. Uh, it was really 12 personnel and other personnel sets where they only have two wide receivers or even one wide receiver. Hopkins was off the field a lot more often than he typically is, only on the field for 12 of 36 snaps in all other personnel groups. So uh, Chris Moore was the player to see a pretty significant increase in snaps this week. Uh, particularly in formations that weren't 11 personnel. So a bit more of the run blocking situation. So probably not a huge boost for more fantasy-wise unless we continue to see more injuries for Tennessee wide receivers. But Hopkins did catch four bypasses thrown his way for 40 yards. Not a great game for Tennessee's passing offense in general. So um, I'm generally going to be okay putting Hopkins in the lineup going forward as long as we see him at least be limited in practice this week. But if he did not participate every week in practice again this week, then I might be a little more concerned. Yeah, I, I'm with you. He still led the team in target rate, but like you said, just the four catches for 40 yards. But uh, I think he'll, he should be fine going forward as long as he's healthy. But how about another one of our favorite players to talk about um, from this offseason, Chico Conquo, because he did have a more productive day than last week. He was targeted four times, had four catches for 35 yards. So did anything from this game um, get you feeling more encouraged for Okonkwo going forward? It was definitely good to see him get those targets. His playing time did decrease a little bit. They rotated the tight ends a little bit more in this game. It's still He's still playing a lot more than he was last season, which that in itself is good to see but he's not getting targeted nearly as much this year as he was um, per route last year, uh, less than half of his target rate this year compared to last year so far. So he either needs to continue to see more playing time going forward or his target rate needs to increase in order for me to really trust putting him in my fantasy starting lineup at this point. But I still want him on my roster and still believe that he is capable of getting there. It's just the Tennessee's offense in general needs to perform better for Tennessee to run more plays and get more targets to Okonkwo. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And like you said, like the Tennessee passing offense has been, it's been disappointing so far to start the year. It was a little bit better for, for Tannehill than, than last week. Obviously, it was, it was a much worse game, but um, he still at least was able to move the ball a little bit more this week. So hopefully that just keep, kind of keeps progressing and they get some nicer matchups there for Okonkwo. But um, let's go to the Green Bay Packers and the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Jordan Love does it again. Uh, another three touchdown performance. We we loved the matchup here in uh, when I wrote up the O-line D-line article again this week, which was a, another great time to kind of ride that momentum. But 
gets kind of progressively tougher in, in week three against the Saints, but not a matchup to scare anyone too, mat- too much for Jordan Love. Maybe gets Christian Watson back uh, next week as well. But h- how are you feeling about the Packers offense so far? Uh, yeah, I'm conflicted right now about it because Jordan Love really hasn't graded that well to this point. Right. Um, he just has an insanely high touchdown to completion ratio so far. So fantasy wise, he's been doing great. But he's also been doing that, like you said, without Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs still isn't seeing as much playing time as I would expect. And he was limited in practice all week again this past week. So I expect that to be the injury. Didn't have David Bakhtiari, either. Um, former all-pro left tackle in this game. Their left guard was injured and missed most of this game as well. So he is really playing without a lot of his weapons that should help the offense. And of course, Aaron Jones didn't play in this game. So that's another uh, former Pro Bowl player that he was playing without. So it's hard for me to really judge Love at this point because he hasn't had his weapons or his offensive line and he hasn't graded well, but he has spent throwing touchdowns. So still someone that I'm intrigued to see what he can do going forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely intriguing. I, I think it's promising at least because it gives you hope that, you know, once more of these weapons kind of come in for, for him and obviously Bakhtiari's health, healthy, that makes a huge difference for that offensive line too. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about Jordan Love, um, but you mentioned Aaron Jones being out. AJ Dillon was the next man up, obviously. So what did uh, what did the usage look like with AJ Dillon um, stepping in as kind of the lead back for the Packers in Week Two? Uh, he dominated early down snaps, dominated short yarded situations. Uh, it was Patrick Taylor who came in for uh, passing downs. So it would have been nice to see Dylan play a little bit here and there on passing downs, but I know he's one of the bigger backs in the league, so it's not overly surprising that he didn't. Um, wasn't especially effective in the run game. Uh, I don't think he had a run longer than eight yards in this game. So uh, without that, his yards per carry isn't going to be very high. Did end up uh, with 55 yards and a reception for eight yards. So um, Dylan at one point considered him one of the best handcuffs in the league. He had a slow start last year, and it seems like he's having a slow start again this year. So I'm probably not ready to give up on him quite yet just because we saw him improve as the season went on last year and that could happen again. But in shallower leagues, he's someone that I probably might consider dropping him off the roster because I'm not sure he'll have much standalone value once Aaron Jones is healthy again. Gotcha. Yeah. Need some more cold uh, weather Lambo games for, for AJ Dillon to really get going there. Those seem to be his, uh, his best games, but um the other thing from Green Bay that stood out, Jaden Reed, your guy, um, hit us with some Jaden Reed numbers because he had himself a, a nice game as well today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they were, again, without a lot of their players, and they used him a little bit differently in this game, a lot more shorter passes, uh, 4.8 uh, average depth of target this week compared to 18.4 last week. So was able to make some nice catches, uh, get two touchdowns, which is great to see. Uh, is 2.24 yards per route run, by far the best among uh, the wide receivers and tight ends in Green Bay so far this season. So he's definitely been playing well. Um, one interesting note is while he's been playing almost entirely in the slot, both in the preseason and in the regular season so far, I think he ran five routes while lined up out wide this week, and that's where three of his four receptions came from. So um, a little bit surprising that that's how he was used. I'm not sure how sustainable uh, that outside usage will be once we have Christian Watson back and Romeo Dobbs playing more, but definitely good to see the Packers trusting him and him getting more involved 
So someone that I'm still excited to see what he can continue to do going forward. Awesome. Um, anything else from Green Bay or do you want to talk about Atlanta here? Uh, we can move on to Atlanta. Sure. Yeah. Cause uh, I do want to talk about Bijan Robinson, obviously a, a big game posted 172 all purpose yards, 124 rushing 48 receiving. So surely his usage must have also greatly improved, right? Uh, it was more or less the same as what we saw last week. The big difference is Atlanta ran 78 plays in this game compared to 48 plays last week. So when you're running more plays, that's more passes and more runs that can go around to all of the players. So also have guys like Drake London that they ran a lot more plays, but uh, he continued to see uh, Blitta more than half of the work on early downs, continued to be the primary passing down back, especially in the two-minute drill. Uh, the two-minute drill stuff was also a big factor this week and why uh, he saw more a higher percentage of offensive snaps in this game and that they didn't have a two-minute drill last week, but they did run 11 plays in two-minute drills this week. So that helped Robinson's overall playing time. Uh, he's one of the top running backs this year in rushing yards, one of the top ones in receiving yards. So I think this should continue to be a situation where Robinson should be a top 10 fantasy running back week in and week out. My only concern at this point is Cordero Patterson uh, has been inactive the past two weeks. I think they are in no rush to get Patterson back on the field, but I do think that the Falcons still believe in Patterson, believe he can be a part of this offense. So he could factor in once he's healthy. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, Robinson, look, it, I think mostly okay usage. Like he did get the one uh, carry near the goal line as well, but got stuffed there, but 78% route participation as well, which was nice, even though they don't pass the ball a ton, but Man, speaking of that passing offense, some of the receiving weapons for Atlanta too. Kyle Pitts goes two catches for 15 yards. He did have close to 90% route participation, so that's at least promising. It did lead the team, but 14% target rate, not ideal. And, and Drake London, a strong bounce back game, 24% target rate, goes six for 67 and a touchdown. So anything else that you want to touch on here for the Falcons uh, offense? Uh, only the quick note about Pitts and that his usage remains fairly confusing. Like Atlanta very rarely runs 11 personnel, only in clear passing situations. He was only on the field for one of those four plays. So I would expect Pitts to have been the guy when it's clear passing situations. But we saw Jonu Smith uh, see a lot of playing time. Um, and we saw him see a number of targets as well. So it's just surprising to see Atlanta highlight a lot of their other players that aren't their top former top 10 draft picks. We saw Matt Collins get involved in the passing game as well. So ideally they would do more to scheme up their best players, but it seems like they're happy to get anyone on the offensive ball. Yeah. And, and it's working for them. So it's hard to argue hmm. uh, too much, right? They're, they're still, I guess now two and oh, right. But um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's nice that Atlanta's, winning games but not great for fantasy purposes as we continue to be frustrated um by their usage here so let's go on to the las vegas raiders and the buffalo bills we expected this to kind of be a good bounce back spot for josh allen and and the bills offense and it absolutely was so what is what, let's start with the bills offense here um because i think that's more interesting and and anything that stood out at least that you want to start with here for for buffalo Oh, we can start with the running backs. Uh, it was good to see James Cook post his first 100-yard rushing game of his career. I, it seems like this is going to be the kind of game that we can expect out of the Bills running backs going forward. 
Cook will be the primary guy, and as long as the Bills are winning and get a decent lead, he should see plenty of carries, which will be good enough to make him a fantasy starter. But once I get to around 10 yards of scoring, that's when we really t- start to see Damien Harris, Damian Harris, Latavius Murray, uh, both see a bit more playing time. They both saw six snaps when they were within 10 yards. Cook only saw four. So we're probably going to continue to see Damien Harris and Latavius Murray continue to score the touchdowns. They both had one each in this game. I fully expect Cook to be able to break a long run at some point to score a touchdown. So that'll be huge for fantasy managers who start him. Those weeks where Cook's able to do that, but I feel like this is going to be pretty much the standard for Buffalo running backs going forward. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. And like you said, I, I don't, you know, I don't think we're expecting Cooks to punch in any one-yard touchdowns um, th- this year. But the rest of the usage, his efficiency, everything else was fine. So he'll probably break one every once in a while. But um, it was nice to see him at least heavily involved in the rest of the offense here going forward. Um, still feel like you can trust James Cook, but. Looking at uh, another player that we're still trying to figure out if we can trust, Dalton Kincaid, the tight end there for the Buffalo Bills, more involved, um, at least production-wise, this week. But what did the usage look like for for Kincaid in in Week 2? We saw his playing time decrease, which was a little surprising. The big thing is they used less 12 personnel this week compared to last week, which also was surprising because Buffalo had a big lead, and typically when teams have a lead, they start using more 12 personnel and more run formations. So that was a little surprising to see. Uh, the big thing is when they were in 11 personnel, uh, Dawson Knox saw roughly twice as much playing time as Kincaid. So we at least saw Kincaid uh, have more targets, uh, pick up a number of catches for 43 receiving yards. So he's still among, I think, the top eight tight ends this season in terms of receiving yards. So even despite this usage, might be okay starting him. But I probably need to see him see a little bit more playing time, ideally overtake Knox in 11 personnel before I think we can really see Kincaid reach his potential as a top five fantasy tight end. Yeah, I'm with you. I feel like in deeper leagues, I'd be okay with starting him. I don't just don't want to necessarily chase the production because like you said, it was a solid outing for a tight end for fantasy, but just being mindful of the usage week to week, I think there could be some potential regression in the box score if that remains the same um let's go to the Raiders because Josh Jacobs I mean he salvaged some of his day with five catches for 51 yards but on nine runs went for negative two yards uh he had just 2.5 yards per carry last week obviously negative yards per carry this week should we be concerned with the reigning rushing leader being nowhere close to that pace in in 2023 Probably, yeah, and I think a bit more of it has to do with the offensive line. Like, uh, We should see our grades locked soon enough so we can see how the line graded out. But in terms of yards before contact and after contact, uh, Jacobs lost 13 yards before contact in this game, gained 11 yards after contact. So even though some people might want to blame Jacobs' holdout for this, I wouldn't be surprised if this has more to do with the offensive line and Jacobs really not having the opportunity to break any big runs. So... Um, concern for Jacobs at the offensive line doesn't improve, but um, he's just still seeing way too much volume to consider benching him. So while the concern is there, the concern isn't so high that there's really anything that I would do about it. Fair. Um, how about Devonte Adams? It had a nice game, but he got hurt in this one. Jacoby Myers was already inactive with an injury. So who is left for the Raiders pass catchers? 
Also, this past week, we saw Christian Wilkerson uh, pretty much take over Myers' role on the outside. Uh, they also played a higher percentage of snaps than 11 personnel this week compared to last week. So Hunter Renfro also benefited in terms of offensive snaps this week, which I think would have happened regardless of the Myers injury. And then late in the game, like you mentioned, Adams, uh, how Matalmet hit. So uh, potentially uh, he was evaluated for a concussion. I don't know if he's officially in the concussion protocol at this point, but we did see third round rookie Trey Tucker take over on the outside at the very end of the game. So I would expect Wilker, yeah, Wilkerson to be the primary outside receiver if either Myers has to miss another game or Adams misses a game. But if uh, both of them miss, then we should see more opportunities from Tucker. So um, probably not uh, someone that I'd be targeting off the waiver wire. They play the Steelers next week, which is an average matchup for wide receivers. But I think the Raiders would just more focus on their healthy star players and not get the ball too much to Wilkerson. So only in very deep leagues what I would consider him. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Raiders offense at this point to, to be rushing to the waiver wire for these guys. But like you said, deeper leagues, there could be some use there. Um, all right, before we keep going, I do want to give another shout out to one of our sponsors, uh, DraftKings. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code PFF to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 in instantly bonus bets. Uh, only on DraftKings with, uh, with code PFF. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. CDKNG.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right. Chicago Bears and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's start this game on a positive note and talk about Baker Mayfield and the Bucks. Um, not a sentence. I thought I'd say this off season, but here we are. And it was one that I expected to say heading into this week. We talked up uh, May this matchup for Mayfield and, and Mike Evans in the preview show as a potential DFS stack and ended up paying off nicely here because Evans went off and Baker, even though he only threw one touchdown to Mike Evans, he went for 317 passing yards added 17 on the ground. So that was great to see this offense be competent, give us some fantasy goodness. Um, but speaking of fantasy goodness, Rashad White goes for 73 yards on the ground with a touchdown, adds five catches for 30 yards. So what did we get out of the Bucks' backfield that led to this uh, strong performance from Rashad White? Uh, yeah, this was an interesting game in that White we saw last week, he was dominating snaps in the first half and then not really being productive last week. So they started mixing in some of the other running backs uh, we saw them try to mix in some of the running backs even earlier in this game. We saw White play the first six snaps of the game. Uh, then Chase Edmonds came in for three plays, but then he suffered a knee injury. And uh, nice that we're doing this live because Ian Rappaport, within the last minute, uh, tweeted out uh, he exited the game because of a knee injury, is getting an MRI today, sources said. Focuses on tests as to test Edmonds' MCL. 
So we already have an injury update on Edmonds, but after Edmonds went out, we did see Tucker start to get more involved. So that was something last week that we were kind of concerned about, maybe Tucker continuing to play more if White wasn't playing well. But in this game, we did see White actually play fairly well, had one of his better games in his Buccaneers career. Um, He ended up uh, running the ball 17 times for 73 yards, scored a touchdown, also caught five passes for 30 yards. So uh, he was a part of the reason that the Buccaneers offense was finding success in this game. So I think this will be kind of an interesting backfield to watch going forward. Uh, We can be decently confident that Tampa Bay will change things in their backfield based on how well their running backs are playing. So it'll be a fluid situation. But if White continues to see games like he does in this game, I think he will continue to dominate uh, playing time, dominate touches, and be a must-start fantasy asset where if he starts to stumble and this was only a one-game anomaly, then we might start to see someone like Tucker or Edmonds if he's healthy to get more involved in the offense. But uh, Tucker, definitely intrigued by based on him rising up the depth charts as much as he did throughout uh, the preseason and training camp and now with Edmonds' injury. Um, he could be the clear-cut number two guy going forward, seeing significant playing time. So if White stumbles, I am interested in picking up Tucker as a handcuff option. Nice. Yeah, I I like it. And and like you said, after last week, we were a little bit concerned that the inefficiency for White was going to kind of continue and and be an issue where maybe Sean Tucker or Chase Edmonds can kind of eat into his workload. But good to see White kind of bounce back here after one week and, and, and put up a big fantasy game. But Anything else from Tampa Bay, or should we talk about uh, a team that wasn't as great, uh, the Chicago Bears? Oh, yeah, not too much. We continue to see Trey Palmer and Devin Tompkins split time in the slot. Uh, K-Dotton, I think, is an intriguing tight end option. If you're in uh, some deeper leagues where a lot of the tight ends we typically talk about as waiver wire options aren't available, I think Otten's pretty well available, and he's a clear-cut receiving tight end for Tampa Bay. Had six targets in this game, so it's kind of hard to find those kind of guys in some of the deeper leagues. So I think Otten's a decent option if you are in a league that's 12 teams. Everyone already has two tight ends. Uh, He should be a decent option in that case. Nice. Good call. Um, All right. Yeah, let's let's talk about this Bears offense uh, because – just not getting it done right now. Field has Fields has undeniably struggled. I mean, he had three turnover-worthy plays this week. Unofficially, we're waiting for the, the reviews to kind of come through, but he had two last week. Huge one this week with the pick six to, to Shaq Barrett. Not really even giving us the rushing production now. He had 59 yards last week, which is fine, but three yards this week. Man, uh, I don't know what to do with this Chicago offense. How, how are you feeling about it right now? Um, We did at least have the news before the game that Deonta Foreman was going to be inactive for the game. So it was nice to see the Bears backfield go from a three-man backfield to a two-man backfield, which is huge for fantasy purposes since with three men, it's really hard to trust anyone. But we can definitely get away with some two-man backfields. So we saw Cleo Herbert uh, take the role that we expected, primary guy on early downs, uh, short-yarded situations. He took all three or all four of them, counting the goal line situation. Uh, Rashawn Johnson, uh, the clear passing down back, but things were a bit more split than I expect in general. Um, We saw Herbert play more on passing downs than I would typically expect. That We saw Johnson play more on early downs than I would expect. So while this currently is Herbert's backfield, I think the way that they're using the running backs um, is in a way that if Johnson starts outperforming Herbert, I would fully expect Johnson to be able to overtake Herbert as the starter. 
So I think it's a situation where whichever of these two backs is playing better will start to see more playing time going forward. It'll be a little bit of a hot hand situation, but both running backs, even though the offense in general wasn't playing well, so the offense really wasn't running that many plays, both running backs were averaging uh, five yards per carry or better. So both of them were performing well on a per play basis. It's just the offense needs to play better, not have turnovers, not have so many three and outs. So Chicago's offense is running more plays in general. So everyone on the offense can be more productive. Yeah, makes sense. And like the old saying goes, two running backs are better than three. I think, I don't know if that's like an actual saying, but feels like it here. We can make it a saying. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. Um, Anything else here for uh, the Bears offense? Because we saw a little bit of Cole Komet. Um, what did his usage uh, look like in, in week two here? Uh, yeah, the Bears probably one of the most interesting teams this week in terms of usage overall in that uh, Komet saw less playing time this week significantly compared to previous weeks. It was a concern that we saw at times in the preseason, but it wasn't always consistent and how they were using him. So uh, we saw them add Robert Tanya and Mercedes Lewis, both from the Packers, which reunites him with their offensive coordinator in Chicago. So it wasn't surprising that at some point uh, those players would start to see more playing time. Uh, Tanya started to see more snaps in 11 personnel. Uh, Komet still saw roughly twice as many snaps as Tanya in that personnel grouping. But then we also saw Lewis overtake Komet on 21 personnel, in this game, which also happened in one game in the preseason, even though it wasn't really happening last week. So we saw both tight ends start to cut into his playing time. And Cole is someone where he was considered a sleeper in large part because he was seeing so much volume in terms of pass routes. Uh, He was one of the top tight ends in terms of routes run last season and looked like it was, he was on that path again this season, but now it doesn't look like he's quite on that path, which allows other tight ends who are seeing similar usage who are more talented to overtake him in uh, fantasy production. So probably not someone that I'm looking to start and also someone that I would probably be fine uh, waving for my roster as long as I have another tight end that I'm confident in. Yeah, definitely concerning usage there. That graph that you put together for Cole Komet snaps um, is definitely uh, eye-opening and uh, if you're if you're watching on the YouTube, you get to see it. Um, if you're listening to it on the podcast, you could find it in Nathan's uh, PFF Fantasy Recap articles up on pff.com as well. So be sure to check that out because all these graphs are very helpful um, and kind of give a better idea of what each team is doing as far as deployment goes. Let's go to the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans um, and start with Anthony Richardson because continues to flash that kind of high-end fantasy upside that we've been talking about this offseason, put up two rushing touchdowns. Unfortunately, on the second touchdown, he slammed the back of his head on the field, which caused a concussion because he was ruled out. Gardner Minshew came in, went 19 for 23 for 171 yards and a touchdown, um, helping at least keep the fantasy value up of guys like Michael Pittman, who um, had 12 targets in the game. So that was nice to see, at least for the Colts receiving options. Obviously, uh, Anthony Richardson, man, I think it's two games in a row now that he's left with, with some kind of injury. He came back in week one, but got banged up a little bit there. So that's a little bit concerning, but I think maybe more importantly to kind of focus on for this game, a situation that we've been talking about for the latter part of the offseason with Jonathan Taylor holding out. Zach Moss is the very clear RB1 in Indianapolis. So what did the Colts backfield look like um, this week with Zach Moss healthy? 
Oh uh, yeah, this was an interesting game. We saw a lot this week of backfields where one person dominated a lot more than we kind of expected, and Zach Moss was one of those players. Uh, we saw last week Deion Jackson was averaging 1.1 yards per carry. Uh, by halftime, they seemed like they were ready to try some other things in the backfield. Evan Hull immediately got injured and now is on injury reserve for the next couple weeks. So they didn't really have many options last week. But now that Moss is back, he played all but one offensive snap. Uh, Deion Jackson did not play at all on offense. The only time where they, where Moss was not on the field, it was a four wide receiver set where Isaiah McKenzie played in the backfield. So he more or less was the running back on that one play without Moss. So I think this is something that we might not see him play 98, 99 plus percent of offensive snaps going forward, but he should continue at least for these next two weeks, see significant playing time in the Colts offense. So someone that I would trust going forward, the only concern is, of course, Jonathan Taylor uh, is able to return in, I believe, two weeks from now. Uh, whether or not he will return or if he will get traded is something yet to be seen, but it'll also be interesting if Indianapolis tries to add a running back at some point. But as long as Moss is the clear guy in, in Indianapolis and they don't add any other players, he's someone that needs to be in fantasy starting lineups. Yeah, that that usage was was beautiful to see. That was like uh, Christian McCaffrey and Carolina usage from from a couple seasons ago, where he just didn't leave the field. So hopefully it continues, like you said, um, and and we could get some really nice uh, fantasy production out of Zach Moss. But uh, let's move to the Houston Texans now, because this is a much more interesting situation to kind of parse out and start with the wide receivers. So Nico Collins obviously had a huge like seven catch, one hundred and forty six yards, and a touchdown day. But he wasn't the only one. There was another player to emerge here, Nate. Um, Tank Dell also had a productive day, went seven for 72 in a touchdown. So can we trust the production going forward for Tank Dell after seeing his utilization? I think so. The Houston wide receivers are a fun one. Um, I spent a good 20 minutes earlier this week talking with uh, Aaron, our depth chart guy, on how we should handle the Texans depth chart with Noah Brown landing on injured reserve. Just since John Mechie was the clear backup slot receiver throughout the preseason, Xavier Hutchinson was the clear backup slot receiver in week one. And Tank Dell at least has experience in the slot in college. Robert Woods has experience in the slot previously in his time in the NFL. So they really had four different options of what they could do. And they ended up moving Woods to the slot and having Tank Dell be a full-time outside receiver, which worked out really well. Dell and Collins both had really good games. Collins, uh, 146 receiving yards and a touchdown, while Dell led the team in targets, also scored a touchdown in this game. So it'll be really interesting to see how these wide receivers shape out going forward since uh, there were a lot of times in week one where Dell was on the field with uh, Collins off the field, and that also continued to an extent in this game. So um, I think there is a pretty clear path, even though uh, Nico Collins has had two really good games so far, but I could see Dell overtaking Collins as the number one outside wide receiver on this team at some point. And it'll be interesting to see how they handle things when Noah Brown are back as well as uh, once Mechie starts to get more comfortable in the offense because I don't know if Woods will get moved back out, back to the outside at some point with how well Dell and Collins are playing, or if he might become a backup player, even though he's a captain on the team, or just how this rotation will shape out. But as long as Houston's 
offense is putting up this much production, it'll be definitely a situation to monitor on like some of these past couple seasons. Yeah, I, like you said, I mean, the Texans offense, the passing offense specifically is kind of fun, right? They're they're passing a ton. I think 109 dropbacks so far for CJ Stroud through two weeks, yeah. um, which might be the most in, in the league. I, I haven't checked with the Sunday Night Football I believe guys. It is, yeah. yeah, so th- there's opportunity here for these Houston wide receivers, which I, I think is really exciting for guys like Tank Dell, for Nico Collins, and we'll see who else can kind of emerge there, but um, promising usage at least for the rookie there as well in week two, but how about the Texans backfield? Because we know Mike Boone was the lead passing down back last week, but he was a healthy scratch this week. So did we see Damian Pierce absorb any of those third down snaps? Uh, not really. No, we saw Devin Singletary and Dare Ogunbale basically split those passing down snaps. Um, so Singletary, after the entire preseason, not really having this third down role, after not having it in week one, even though it seemed to make so much sense based on how he was used in Buffalo, he finally started to see that with uh, Pierce playing the clear dominant amount of snaps on early downs, which was good to see. I ran the ball 15 times for 31 yards, which really it was good to see him run the ball 15 times considering the game script that they were in uh indianapolis started the game with the score houston had a three and out indianapolis scored another touchdown so really by their fourth offensive snap they were already down 14 to zero so seeing him run the ball 15 times with that game script is decently promising and i know uh averaging just over two yards per carry isn't great but he's this is another situation where the offensive line is really hurting Alarmy Tunsil wasn't active in this game, uh, both their starting center and right tackle currently on injured reserve, but slated to come back later this season. So I think it's a situation where Houston's offense should improve throughout the season once the offensive line is healthy, once just everyone has more experience together, since this is really more or less an expansion team on offense with a brand new coaching staff and a bunch of new players coming from different teams or rookies. So I think this will continue to improve going forward. So while I don't think we'll see Pierce reach the heights that we were hoping for throughout the preseason in terms of passing down work, I do think they trust him enough that he can be a fantasy starter going forward, especially once this offense is playing better. Nice. Yeah, it's a it's a kind of an exci- exciting young team. So hopefully we get some nice fantasy goodness uh, out of them. But that pretty much covers it for Houston. Let's go to the the Kansas City Chiefs and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, the Kansas City wide receiver core without Travis Kelsey was the story last week. Uh, Kelsey was back this week, even caught a touchdown, which you love to see. But Nate, what did you see from the Chiefs wide receiver rotation uh, in week two? Uh, Yeah, I was talking about how Cincinnati is a team where there's really never much to talk about. Kansas City wide receivers are the exact opposite of, I know there is going to be something to talk about for the Kansas City wide receivers each and every week. Uh, We did see Sky Moore uh, lead the team in receiving, or lead the wide receivers in receiving yards with 54. Um, He saw a slight decrease in playing time this week compared to last week. So even though he was catching more passes, this might be a bit more of a negative sign. Um, There was a lot of talk this offseason that he was consistently playing in 12 personnel, which is definitely helpful for fantasy purposes. He did that 63.6% of the time in week one. That dropped to 40% this week. So even though he saw more receiving production this week, I'm not sure this is a huge positive for him. Um, We saw Justin Watson, who was uh, tied for fifth in terms of offensive snaps for Kansas City last week, 
caught a couple of deep passes last week, did so again this week, and saw uh, his routes run increase significantly. So uh, his 107 receiving yards over the past two weeks is the best two-game stretch that he's had in his Kansas City career. So he is someone that really needed to see a decrease in offensive snaps for some of these guys that we've been talking about to really reach their fantasy potential. But if he's going to continue to be involved, then maybe he might be one of the players that we need to be talking about more considering off the waiver wire. Uh, Kadarius Toney, uh, similar amount of snaps as last week, similar amount of targets. The big difference is he wasn't dropping a lot of passes. He caught all the passes thrown his way this week. So uh, he's someone that remains to be intriguing that if Kansas City ever increases his amount of playing time, then he could be a fantasy starter. Um, I believe right now he ranks second in the league in terms of targets per route run. Uh, so uh, he's just could get there, but he's not there yet. And then Rasheed Rice, Richie James, both guys that we were intrigued by, uh, they both saw their routes cut in half this week. So they didn't see nearly as much playing time this game. So players that I'm probably less optimistic about going forward. So we're again just hoping that one of these guys ends up emerging and becomes Patrick Mahomes' favorite target. We've been hoping for that ever since Tyreek Hill left, and we could be spending the entire season and waiting for next season trying to figure out who that player is. Yeah, I, that's the feeling I'm getting with this. I, I think you're right. I think there's it's going to be kind of a mess to, to sort out every single week, but we'll we'll talk it through, and hopefully somebody emerges. Um, and you mentioned, yeah, Kadarius Tony, no drops this week. Uh, on first run, it was Travis Kelsey, actually, was the only receiver who had drops for, for the Chiefs receiving core. Um, he had two, so him coming back and, and leading the team in drops while nobody else had any was, was kind of funny. But um, moving to the Jaguars here, Christian Kirk essentially laid an egg in, in week one with just one reception but i'd say he made up for that in week two with 11 receptions on 14 targets for 110 yards on the day uh nate we were a bit concerned about kirk's usage last week so did that change at all here in week two and um where, where maybe we can expect more big games like this going forward it really didn't change all that much this week it, i feel like people who were going to overreact last week based on what happened and now they're probably going to overreact in the other direction this week um, he had a huge game, but it was a lot of Jacksonville State and 11 personnel throughout this game. So he's probably going to see more playing time in this game than he will most games throughout the season since they're not going to be playing from behind against the Super Bowl champions in more games this season. Uh, we continue to see him not play all that much in 12 personnel. He did see a slight uptick in 12 personnel usage in this game, but that was only because uh, Zay Jones suffered a knee injury in the second quarter, missed a bit of playing time in that quarter, came back for the second half, and that's where Kirk saw some of his 12 personnel usage. So expect his playing time to decline again next week despite this big game. They have a very clear role for him as a slot receiver. I think uh, how he'll perform week in and week out will very much be matchup-based, but if there are games where Jacksonville is expected to blow out their opponent, which I think uh, they're definitely capable of having those games this season, then Jacksonville likes their tight ends. We could see a lot of 12 personnel in those games, in which case Kirk could see even less playing time than he saw in week one. So I think he is definitely someone you want to keep on your fantasy roster because as we saw in this game, he's capable of having very good games, but it'll just depend on the game script, on the matchup. And those are both things that we can hopefully have a decent way of predicting before the game happens when Kirk will have those good games and when he won't. 
Nice. Yeah, great call. Um, and like you said, yeah, Zay Jones injured but came back into the game. So we'll, just something to monitor going forward. But the, the last thing here for, for Jacksonville, Tank Bigsby gave us basically nothing, uh, absolutely nothing as far as fantasy production goes. So did his usage kind of provide any answer as to why that was here in, in week two? Um, he was mostly used in passing situations. All of his plays were on passing downs. The big interesting thing is the talk was that he would be the goal line running back at or at least the season. And Travis Etienne took all three goal line snaps. Um, it seems like Bigsby's week one production probably has a bit to do with this, considering his fumble uh, and his drop as well. So if they're not trusting him now as much as they were in the preseason, then it makes sense for etn to be more involved so uh, etn didn't have a great game in this game i think again this is probably matchup and game script related so i think etn should be just fine going forward i'm still intrigued by bigsby as a player in general but i think he's going to have to regain the trust of the coaching staff before he starts to see more playing time going forward definitely all right let's uh let's go to the seattle seahawks at the detroit lions now um and, and let's start with the Lions. David Montgomery ended up with a nice day, 67 yards and a touchdown, but he was carted off with a thigh injury, I believe it was, and, and did not return, which obviously we hate for Montgomery. But for fantasy purposes now, I, I know we didn't get you know ideal usage from Bijan Robinson or other first-round rookie running back. So tell me at least that, that we saw a bump for Jameer Gibbs once uh, Montgomery left the game. We did not see it after Montgomery left the game, but we did kind of see it throughout the game. We saw Gibbs uh, play a lot more on third downs as well as a two-minute drill, which he really wasn't doing in week one. So they did say they wanted to increase his usage, and that did happen in the passing game. So this, in general, was a good step up for Gibbs, but I don't think the Montgomery injury will specifically help Gibbs. And they did announce that Montgomery does think he will miss the next couple weeks but it was Craig Reynolds who really saw that increased role once Montgomery went down. Reynolds became the primary early down back in those situations, even though uh, it was at a point of the game where Detroit was passing the ball a lot. So uh, we did see Gibbs outsnap Reynolds in those situations. But um, in terms of carries, whenever it was a clear rushing situation, Reynolds was the player on the field like Montgomery was throughout this game. So I would expect Greg Reynolds to be the starting running back for Detroit for these next couple of weeks. And I expect Reynolds to be the player to get double digit carries. I do think Gibbs will continue to see an increase in work, but I don't think it'll be a huge increase. I don't think he's going to all of a sudden be a double digit carry player as well as seeing a ton of targets. I think this will continue to be a two man backfield. So Reynolds is someone that I'm definitely interested in picking up off the waiver wire this week. But it was good to see Gibbs see targeted so much while he was on the field. Uh, he was targeted nine times on his 22 pass routes. So that was definitely good to see them try to get him the football more, even though it's not going to be the heights of someone like Bijan Robinson. Yeah, for sure. And look, the, I, I'm with you. I think this is a team, you know, a case of a team that obviously kind of unwilling to deviate from their scheme too much, right? Regardless of personnel and spending first round picks on these players that they're not, they're not going to trust with like huge workloads, but obviously, you know, Montgomery expected now to miss time. Craig Reynolds is going to be the one to see a lot of that usage rather than Gibbs just absorbing it all. So even if we do see it and a little bit of an uptick for Gibbs, it's not like, you know, a rocket ship to the moon emojis or anything like that necessarily. 
necessarily because they're going to find ways to get Craig Reynolds involved. So anything else from uh, the Lions offense here that you want to talk about before we talk about Seattle? Um, I'll mention Josh Reynolds. He had a second straight good game. I had an 80-yard performance last week, a two-touchdown performance in this game. Uh, Detroit kind of had a three-man rotation among their outside wide receivers, but I think Reynolds has pretty clearly emerged as their top outside wide receiver so far this season. Um, I think Detroit has a decently favorable schedule for wide receivers these next couple weeks. I know once Jamison Williams is off his suspension, that'll probably hurt Reynolds' fantasy value, but I think at least over these next couple weeks, with how well Reynolds has been playing and the schedule, he's someone to at least that's at least worth considering. I know off the waiver wire, it's um, nice to target some of these young, high upside players that we know have a really high ceiling like Tank Dell has, but players like Reynolds that even though we've seen him in the league for a couple of years now, we kind of know what he's capable of. He is capable of having these big games, and if he's going to continue to have them over the next couple of weeks, he should be in someone's fantasy starting lineup. For sure. I like it. All right. Um, let, let's talk about Seattle. So Kenneth Walker, with, with another nice fantasy day, he had two touchdowns. But did we see uh, rookie running back uh, Zach Charbonnet get a little bit more we- usage this week, or did his usage change at all, I guess, from from week one? We did see slight changes in this one. We continued to see Walker pretty clearly dominate early downs with Zach seeing a little bit of playing time there. The big thing is passing downs, which are interesting. Um, the majority of teams, the running back that's their third down back is also the guy that you'll see in two-minute drills. Um, that hasn't been the case so far in Seattle. Uh, last week, we last week we saw DJ Dallas uh, take the two-minute drill snaps, but it was kind of a rotation of guys on third downs. This week, it was Dallas taking most of the third downs, but Zach taking the two-minute drill snaps. So I think we could reach a point this season where uh, Zach Charbonnet takes the third down snaps and the two-minute drill snaps, and DJ Dallas isn't as involved in the offense, which if we reach that point, then Zach Charbonnet could be have some standalone value this season. Um, in this current role, it's not going to happen, but there are signs that they are trying to get him more involved on passing downs, which in past seasons, Seattle has pretty well stuck with a passing down back, or at times it was either Travis Homer or DJ Dallas, but they had some pretty clear rushing down backs and some receiving backs where Zach Charbonnet is the one who could do both. All right, so there we go. Progress, at least, for at least one of our rookie running backs here um, this week. So that was nice to see. Um, all right, let's go to uh, the New York Giants and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the big thing from this game, I guess, outside of the Giants' comeback, w- was the health of Saquon Barkley. He left the game late with an ankle injury, slammed his helmet, looked noticeably disappointed, which is never a good sign. But the team has indicated that he avoided a major injury. Um, I think his status for next week still a question mark at this point. So, Nate, super small sample because Barkley left so late in the game, but what did the Giants' backfield look like with him on the sideline? Uh, so this was one of those games where a running back saw more playing time than we expected. Uh, Barkley had only missed one offensive snap prior to his injury, and there was only one offensive snap after his injury in which Matt Breida was on the field. So really looking ahead to what we can expect uh, this upcoming week, which I believe they are on a short week, uh, playing on Thursday night football. So that probably increases the chances that Barkley will miss at least one game. But uh, last week we saw Matt Breida 
uh, see a little bit more playing time than Gary Brightwell. That happened both on early downs, a little bit more significant on third downs. So I think with the matchup, I believe they're playing the 49ers, which I will double check that. Yep, it's the 49ers on Thursday Night Football, like I thought. So um, it's probably not the best matchup if you are desperate for a running back. But if you had Barkley and don't really have any other options on the bench, then Brita is probably the player that I'd be targeting just against the 49ers. I wouldn't be expecting much. So only target Brita off the waiver wire if you know that you're desperate for a running back this upcoming week. Makes sense for sure. Um, all right. Well, one more thing from the Giants. Um, but Jalen Hyatt had, had a couple big plays in the game, uh, created 89 receiving yards for him uh, on the day, which led the team. Did the usage of Jalen Hyatt suggest that we should trust him going forward or is his role still limited? Um, his role is still limited. He only had 14 offensive snaps, uh, 12 pass routes, a clear backup to Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins at this point. Um, it sounded like throughout the preseason and the offseason that this was kind of what they were expecting Hyatt to just be an occasional deep threat, which can help the offense, which it definitely did help the offense in this game. Um, hopefully at some point in his career, he can become a more complete receiver, but I'm not sure that's going to happen this year. So despite the good game, I'm probably leaving him on the waiver wire, but we'll definitely keep an eye on his playing time throughout the season. And if we do start seeing an uptick, then definitely would be interested in him. There we go. So Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, Paris Campbell, Darren Waller, still far and away the leaders in route participation for the Giants there. Um, on the Cardinal side, James Conner continues to be the kind of fantasy oasis over there in the, that desert wasteland. Although as much as it pains me to say it because I want to see Clayton Toon, Josh Dobbs was actually pretty good in this game. Um, spread the ball around. He got Zach, Hurt, Zach Ertz involved again. Um, got Hollywood Brown in the end zone, but Michael Wilson also had a productive day today. So what, what did the usage look like there for the, the Cardinals uh, receiving core? Uh, yeah, it was interesting to see Wilson see a decrease in playing time. It seemed like um, Wilson uh, in the middle of the preseason, it was pretty clear that he was going to be an every down outside wide receiver opposite Marquise Brown. That's how they used him in week one. But this week we saw that usage change. Uh, Wilson was a starting outside wide receiver on the first drive, but then Zach Pascal came in on the second drive in place of Wilson. That happened again on the fourth drive, again on the sixth drive. So it seemed like a pretty clear rotation of wide receivers based on the drive, which we don't see all that often in the NFL, but it does happen at times. So it seemed like we were in store for a decrease role for Wilson. But Wilson was seeing some targets, making some first downs. So uh, the last couple of drives of the game, we saw Wilson uh, basically take every snap with Pascal going back to a backup role. So while this was concerning to start the game, it seemed like by the end of the game, Wilson might already be back to the point where he's a starting outside wide receiver. So someone that I think is an intriguing uh, deep sleeper at this point. Um, good to see a rookie wide receiver who was picked in the third round become a starter this early in his career. But I think Arizona's offense needs to continue to do better in order for Wilson to be on even more people's fantasy radars. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was nice to see Josh Dobbs kind of have a good game this week, but you definitely want to see it strung together a few more times before trusting too much of this Arizona offense, but maybe somebody that we could potentially trust. Uh, Zach Ertz, we, we talked about it last week, was was pretty involved in the passing game. Um, did that continue this week? Because he had another productive day. 
Uh, yep. So last week we saw him have a really high target share. It just didn't lead to all that many yards because uh, the offense wasn't that productive. He continued to see the targets in this game. Uh, caught six passes for 56 yards. Uh, when a tight end seeing over 50 receiving yards, that's pretty big deal in today's NFL. Um, he is seeing a slight decrease in snaps this year compared to last year um, at his peak. We are seeing him get rotated out a bit more, which is to be expected at his age and with Trey McBride also in the offense and also having a decent season so far to start the year. But he's also seeing a significantly higher target share this year, uh, was targeted on 17.6% of his routes last year, now at 32.1% of his routes. I don't see that uh, being quite sustainable, but even if he sees a slight decrease in targets, that's still probably good enough to make him a fantasy starter. So. Um, if anything, also, we'd expect the offense to be playing better as the season progresses. Uh, Joshua Dobbs still has only been on the team for a couple weeks, so would expect Dobbs to continue improving as the season progresses, or at some point we'll see Kyler Murray take over, which if he takes over, that probably would be an upgrade. So I think Ertz is someone that can continue to have a lot of targets throughout the rest of the season. Probably not a top five fantasy tight end just at his age and his production, but he can definitely be someone that you can put in starting lineups and feel comfortable with. Definitely. All right. Uh, one more ad read here, and it's our next partner, which is AG1, the daily fa- foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I've been drinking it every day. I certainly need it because look, if I'm being totally honest here, I don't necessarily have the healthiest possible diet that I stick to. And quite frankly, uh, could definitely stand to be healthier in general. So AG1 is essentially exactly what I was looking for as something quick and easy that I can build into my diet where I don't have to worry about taking so many supplements and pills and all that fun stuff. Um, I wanted a single solution that supports my entire body and covers my nutritional bases every day. I wanted better gut health, a boost in energy, immune system support, and wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I throw AG1 into a fruit smoothie every morning, start the day off with everything I need for my body, like I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. So again, as someone who can't be alone in wanting to improve their health uh, and has a difficult time doing so when it comes to overall diet, adding AG1 to my day has been a game changer in that regard as I get 75 high quality ingredients that give me daily nutrients and supports energy, focus, strength, and clarity. I just mix one small scoop with my smoothie, drink it first thing each morning, boom, done. It's as simple as that. Another added bonus is that it costs less than $3 a day, which is pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with high quality sourced ingredients, win-win. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash PFF. That's drinkag1.com slash PFF. Check it out now. All right. San Francisco 49ers at the Los Angeles Rams. We have to start with the rookie sensation record-breaking star that is Puka Nakua. 15 targets last week. Surely he had to regress slightly from what from that we thought, right? Wrong. 20 targets, 15 receptions, 147 yards. Unreal. The man is now leading the league in targets, receptions, second in receiving yards. 38% target rate through two games. I mean, Cooper Cup can just stay on IR at this point, right? Who needs him? Um, no, Nate. Uh, th- there's no denying the the wide receiver one status of Puka Nakua at this point, right? Uh, yeah, it's great to see him get this many targets off to one of the best starts we've ever seen by a rookie wide receiver. Um, on Sunday mornings, Gordon McGinnis and I have been doing a start-sit show, answering your start-sit questions. And in week one, we basically had a section of here are all the Isaiah Likely question, 
options and that we're starting Isaiah likely over all these players and that did not end up working out. And then this week it was a similar section of here are all of your questions about Puka Nikua. You're starting Puka Nikua over this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. And I'm very glad to see that this week it did work out. Um, great to see him get this many targets. Obviously, We'll be a little bit concerned once Cooper Cup is back and how Los Angeles ends up distributing targets among their wide receivers. But at least until that point, we're going to continue to see Nakua probably see double-digit targets each week. And um, the one thing is uh, Los Angeles has been running a lot of plays, so that might decrease the targets a little bit. But that just means Nakua maybe won't be a top-five fantasy wide receiver going forward. Maybe it might only be a top-15 fantasy wide receiver, but... For someone that people got off the waiver wire, that's definitely great to see him continue to get that kind of production. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, even when Cups come back, when Cup comes back, there, there's absolutely a role for this guy. I mean, just to see him that heavily involved, he's he's not just going to disappear. Uh, the 49ers defense, at least I thought, would would kind of smother the Rams here. They didn't. Everyone ate, um, including Kyron Williams. So Cam Akers was a healthy scratch this week, which opened up a massive opportunity for Kyron Williams and, and, and he made the most of it. So Nate, what did the backfield look like for the Los Angeles Rams in this one? Uh, yeah, we saw Kyron Williams take all but four offensive snaps when the team had 80 offensive snaps. That's pretty unheard of. So this was another one of those games where we saw running back play a lot more than we expected. Um, I think 76 snaps, uh, the most by running back, definitely by far this season, but would have been second most for running back in the game last season. So uh, it was huge, and it's something that we could continue to see going forward. Uh, shout out to Jay Blazer, who reported that Akers would be inactive about 10 minutes before the 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff. So everyone was frantically uh, potentially changing their lineups, and me and my doing the fantasy pros a ranking accuracy competitions definitely made sure to move Williams. And uh, unfortunately I also moved the Rams back up running backs up, which didn't work out, but moving Williams up definitely did work out. So also had Williams in some lineups. So this was really good to see. He scored two touchdowns was decently efficient as a running back. And when you consider they were playing the 49ers defense, uh, that was pretty big for Williams. So It'll be an interesting situation going forward. What happens with Akers? He's reportedly on the trade block um, based on everything that happened with running backs over this offseason. I'm not sure how easy it will be for them to find a trade partner, um, maybe a team like Indianapolis, uh, but they might be happy with Zach Moss at this point. So I don't know exactly what will happen or if the Rams are just happy enough with Williams that they don't make a change at running back or there's still running backs available in free agency. Leonard Fournette still isn't on a team. Kareem Hunt isn't still on a team. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is still looking for a team to get traded to. So I don't know if this is going to last forever for Williams, but uh, similar to Zach Moss, Williams is someone that probably needs to be in fantasy starting lineups until the Rams add another running back if they add another running back. But I don't think they trust their backups all that much. Uh, Ronnie Rivers was the other player to see some snaps in this game. Uh, Royce Freeman is their other backup running back who can be used in passing situations. But I think, again, it would just be a case where if Williams needs a break on passing downs would be the only situation where Freeman comes in. Uh, they added Zach Evans in the sixth round, but he's been a clear bottom guy on their depth chart throughout the preseason. He still made the 53-man roster, but I don't see him getting playing time anytime soon. So I'm trusting Williams until the Rams give me reason not to. Yeah, that's that's the thing, right? There's always that that 
thing in the back of your head, you know, knowing the draft capital and, and, and the status of these guys in the NFL that they could be replaced at this point. But I mean, for now, at least we're, we're definitely riding with them. That usage is su- super encouraging. Again, I thought this 49ers defense would be able to shut down Williams, but comes up with two touchdowns again. Really kind of amazing what this Rams team is is doing so far, um, all things considered. But looking at the 49ers side, anything from this game? Brandon Ayuk did suffer a shoulder injury uh, early in the game, but he came back and was kind of limited. So anything come from Ayuk's limited usage that's worth talking about? Uh, just it's worth keeping an eye on after the injury we saw him rotate in and out with uh, seventh round rookie Ronnie Bell so um, and that was throughout the game that continued uh, on into the fourth quarter Bell saw even more snaps in the fourth quarter than he was seeing in the second and third quarters so um, it definitely is an injury that I'd be keeping an eye on I'm not sure I'd actually pick up Ronnie Bell if I were to miss a game since I think that would just mean more targets for Samuel and Kittle and uh, Christian McCaffrey, who McCaffrey did play 100% of snaps in this game, yet another running back who saw more usage, usage than I expected, just slightly more since he also saw a ton of snaps last week. But this was his first time playing 100% of snaps in the game since his excellent 2019 season. So great to see for anyone who drafted McCaffrey, but hopefully Ayuk ends up being okay, but we'll keep an eye on the practice statuses. And it is a short week for them. They are playing on Thursday night football, so maybe want to make sure early in the week that you have an alternative to you for your starting lineup. Yeah. Good call. Um, all right. New York jets, Dallas Cowboys. Um, let's just get the jets out of the way because it, it's kind of too depressing to think about much longer. Um, Zach Wilson throws two, three picks in the game. Um, but at least he hit Garrett Wilson for a throw across the middle that, that Wilson was able to house for a 68 yard touchdown. Garrett Wilson uh, would only bring in one more reception the rest of the game after that. We didn't even really get the Brees Hall production we had hoped for after last week. Just nine yards on the ground, nothing as a receiver. Um, Nate, please tell me that the Jets' backfield isn't as bad as it seems. On the bright side, like this was a similar usage to last week, so Hall is capable of having those big games. The big thing is the Jets only ran 46 offensive plays in this game. So that's not enough for anyone in the offense to get as much fantasy production as you would like. And because they were playing from behind, it was a lot of passing down situations. 10 of those 46 snaps came in a two-minute drill. So uh, Michael Carter, who is currently the uh, passing down back, took those snaps. So in terms of overall percentages, we saw basically all three running backs be pretty even. I wouldn't expect that necessarily going forward. Uh, just because typically the passing down back might not see as much playing time when the passing down back is not playing at all on early downs. I think in order for us to really trust Hall at some point this season, we need to see this get condensed down to a two-man backfield, whether it is Hall and Carter or whether it's Hall and Cook. As long as it's a three-man backfield and he's splitting time with both running backs, it's going to be a bit harder to trust him in fantasy football, but... I would expect as Hall becomes healthier, that should change. I hope so. I really, really hope so. I need some life from this Jets team that I was optimistic about heading into the year, um, but not so much right now. So let's move to the Cowboys. Um, Dak put together a nice game. He went 31 for 38, 255 and a touchdown. CeeDee Lamb goes nuts as well. 11 catches for 143, Um, but no Brandon Cooks in this game. So Nate, what did the Cowboys receiver room look like with Brandon Cooks inactive? 
It was basically Jalen Tolbert was a direct replacement. He saw by far the most snaps that he has seen in a game in his NFL career, ended up with more receiving yards in this game than he has in all of his other games put together. So um, I would expect Cooks to be back next week. It seemed like a pretty borderline situation, whether he would play or not this week. And I think the team was more so being cautious. So I would not be surprised to see Cooks back in the lineup next week. But I think, if anything, it was just a Good to see Tolbert see this much playing time and make some catches after a pretty slow start to his career. So a decent sign. Um, there was a decent sign throughout the offseason that he could turn things around since he was getting a decent amount of praise throughout training camp and emerged as a clear four wide receiver for Dallas. But if there's another injury at some point this season to a Cowboys wide receiver that's a bit more significant than Tolbert is someone that I would be considering. Nice. That's good to know. Um, anything else from this game that, that you want to touch on? I would just note again with Jake Ferguson, it was similar to last week. He did score a touchdown, which is good for the people that believe in him and think he can be a potential fantasy starting tight end at some point this season, but they still were rotating their tight ends a bit more than I would like to see. Uh, Peyton Hendershot still seeing a decent amount of pass routes in place of Jake Ferguson at times. So still probably not someone that I'm trusting for fantasy starting lineups at this point, but all it takes is for the Cowboys to change how they're using him slightly. And then all of a sudden Ferguson is going to be talked about the same way we're talking about some of these rookie tight ends currently. Nice. All right. Let's go to the Washington commanders at the Denver Broncos, the undefeated Washington Howells um, who were down 21 to three early in this game, but the fighting Howells never quit even survived that ridiculous hail Mary by stopping the two point conversion. Um, but yeah, enough about the heroism of Sam Howell, the Washington backfield. Let's focus on that. Um, Brian Robinson had himself a day, which included two rushing scores. So Nate, two weeks in a row now that Brian Robinson has dominated the carries, but what about the passing down work? Was that any better for Antonio Gibson at least this week? Uh, we did see Gibson play a little bit more this week compared to last week. Uh, Gibson pretty well dominated passing downs. Still saw a pretty significant amount of early down snaps, which was a little more than last week. So definitely positive signs for Gibson that he's seeing more playing time, but that did not really come with more touches. Uh, he did catch the ball a couple of times, but only ran the ball, I believe, twice in this game. So uh, this is the second straight game where he really didn't run the ball much at all. And this is he's only had, I think, four games in his career where he's run the ball three or fewer times. Uh, two of them are this year. One of them was a game where he was injured after four offensive plays. So this is really a lot less usage than we've ever seen from Gibson in this offense in terms of touches. So probably something that given that Gibson saw more playing time this week, I probably not dropping Gibson quite yet just to see if he starts seeing more carries. But if this carries on for another week or two, then I'd be perfectly comfortable dropping Gibson from my fantasy roster, except for leagues where basically all the handcuffs are rostered, in which case hold on to Gibson since he's still the clear handcuff if something were to happen with Robinson, then Gibson would become a fantasy starter. But there are some leagues that aren't as deep and plenty of those kind of running backs are available off the waiver wire. Definitely. Um, the other thing from Washington, Logan Thomas uh, suffered a concussion or was in the concussion protocol. Was there any clear next man up at tight end for Washington? It wasn't as clear as I thought it would be. It seemed like Cole Turner throughout the preseason had emerged as the second uh, receiving option at tight end for this team with John Bates 
uh, being restricted more to a run blocking tight end, but we did see Bates play a lot more of the snaps, especially on early downs. Turner was still typically the player on third downs when they needed a passing down tight end. So it's not just that Bates is the tight end that took over. We saw both tight ends see an increase in playing time. So if Thomas does miss a game, I'm probably not trusting either tight end since I think they will split the work too much. But um, ideally, Thomas will be in a place where he's ready to play next week. Good call. All right. Um, For the Broncos, Jerry Judy is back. So I I do want to hear about his playing time, but also Marvin Mims, the big, the best big play threat probably from this rookie draft class um, backs that up this week with two catches for 113 yards and a touchdown. Nate, is it already safe to start Marvin Mims? It is not quite time to start Marvin Mims yet. Uh, He only ran they get six routes in this game. Uh, so he caught his two 50 plus yard passes on just six routes. So that's great to see um, him be so involved in the offense. He also had a pretty nice punt return at one point, if I'm recalling correctly. So I think this is a decent sign that he should be able to earn more playing time going forward. It's Brandon Johnson that he has to beat out for playing time. And Johnson did have some nice plays in this game as well, including uh, that Hail Mary at the end. But uh not a point where I'm trusting Mims in my starting lineup anytime soon, but I definitely would be fine rostering him and holding on to him since he seems like a perfect example of a wide receiver who has a little bit slower start in terms of playing time as a rookie. And then that increases as the season progresses. All right. I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, Tell me about Jerry Judy and the rest of this Broncos uh, wide receiver deployment then, or I guess Jerry Judy specifically in his first game back. Uh, Yeah, so it was a slow start for Judy. They were rotating him in and out a lot. A little Jordan Humphrey, who was the slot receiver last week, was the player rotating in and out with Judy. But as the game progressed, progressed, they seemed to be more comfortable with Judy throughout the game. Uh, He played 23 of 26 snaps in the fourth quarter. So this seemed like a pretty temporary rotation. Uh, By the end of it, it looked like they were happy with where Judy was health-wise after missing a couple games. So I'm fairly comfortable with Judy going forward. I think he'll see a normal amount of playing time next week. So um, if you have him, I'd be pretty happy putting him in my starting lineup next week. Makes sense. Um, The other thing, Greg Dolchitz was placed on IR. Did that mean we saw a clearer or more optimal usage for Adam Troutman this week? Uh, yeah, Trotman was the pretty clear uh, tight end for the team, seeing a lot of the playing time almost always on the field, um, blocking a little bit more than you'd like on passing downs at time, but still running 29 routes, which is fairly good. Chris Manhurts was the clear number two tight end. Um, Trotman basically was the tight end in every personnel grouping as well. It was just um, him taking a snap off here and there, whether it was 11 personnel or 21 personnel. So expect Troutman to be the top tight end going forward, but he also only saw one target. So probably not too intrigued from him for a fantasy perspective in the short term. So probably someone I'm still leaving on the waiver wire, but there's a chance that he'll see more targets going forward, in which case he'll be somewhat worth considering. Thanks. All right. Um, Miami Dolphins at the New England Patriots. This was the Sunday night football game. So let's wrap it up here and start with the Patriots and Juju Smith-Schuster. Six targets in the game, only 28 yards. So what did the Patriots show us from, I guess, their wide receiver core this week and specifically their big free agent acquisition from uh, this offseason? 
Sure. So week one, we saw a remarkably low amount of usage by Smith-Schuster in terms of playing time, playing a lot less than what we would have expected with Demario Douglas rotating in and out. That rotation continued in the first quarter of this game. Uh, Smith-Schuster only played in eight of a possible 16 snaps in the first quarter with Douglas playing six snaps. Uh, Douglas caught two passes for 19 yards in the quarter, but then lost a fumble, did not see a single offensive snap throughout the rest of the game. Uh, Bill Belichick really didn't sound like he wanted to answer any questions regarding that uh, throughout his press conference after the game, but I would expect this to be something where Douglas goes back to seeing more playing time in the future. I would hope this is only a one-game thing just based off of a single fumble, but if that's the case, then Smith-Schuster will continue to see a low amount of playing time. Uh, Smith-Schuster was still limited in 12 personnel throughout the game. Uh, Devontae Parker did return from his injury, returned to seeing his usual amount of playing time. So uh, it was Smith-Schuster rotating with uh, Kendrick Bourne in 12 personnel throughout the game. So not as much playing time as he was seeing in Kansas City, even with Douglas getting benched. So I would expect him to continue to see between 50 and 60% of offensive snaps, which if that's the case, then you probably don't need him on your fantasy roster We'll probably give it another week just to see what happens with Douglas's situation. If they are giving up hope on him after one fumble or not, but um, probably not a great case for Smith-Schuster. If you can get anything out of him in a trade, I would definitely be perfectly fine trading him. If I can get something rather than just dropping him for nothing in a week or two. Yeah, it makes sense. I, it just feels like he's not going to be startable in most leagues right now. So let's just let, let, let's look at how this Patriots wide receiver core, because it's an interesting one, but just like a quick kind of like, uh, how would you rank them, I guess, for the rest of the season, looking at these guys? Because I'm sure somebody wants somebody from this, um, <laughs> this passing group. So who, who would you, or how would you rank them um, right now? Yeah, Devontae Parker is the clear top player. He ran... Uh, 45 out of the 47 routes, which was 18 more than any other wide receiver. And that's with people being healthy and him coming off of an injury. He had eight targets in this game. So Parker, definitely the top wide receiver option. Uh, Kendrick Bourne is someone who is pretty consistently seeing a high number of targets, but has never really had that full-time role. So for me, it would be hard trusting Bourne, but he might be the next best option uh, followed by Smith Schuster. But it really depends on your league size and someone like Demario Douglas is has probably more upside than someone like Borner Smith Schuster has because uh, these rookies could end up taking over and becoming a starter at some point where we know what Smith Schuster can do. We know what Bourne can do. So if it's a deeper league where you're starting a lot of wide receivers, then guys like Borner Smith Schuster has more value. Um, if it's a league where you're not starting as many people, but maybe have deeper benches, then I'm probably trying to take a shot on one of the Patriots sixth round, sixth round wide receivers, hoping that they end up seeing a lot more playing time. Perfect. Love it. Um, all right. For Miami, a, a few things here, but let's start with uh, the rookie. Devin A-Chain uh, made his NFL debut. Um, Raheem Mostert obviously had a big day, but was there any promising usage um, from A-Chain to maybe at least get dynasty managers somewhat excited from his debut? Um, the one exciting thing is that he was on the active roster where he was not the previous week. So that was at least a step in the right direction, but he did not play anything on offense in the first half. It was uh, Salvin Ahmed who continued to be the primary backup. Then he suffered 
a groin injury. So I think the only reason we really saw anything out of A-Chain in this game is because of that injury. So he was elevated to the number two running back. So as long as they only have two healthy running backs, A-Chain will continue to be the backup. But we also have Jeff Wilson, who's on injury reserve, who will be coming back soon. So not super optimistic about the situation at this point, but at least it was a step in the right direction that he was on the active roster compared to being one of the healthy and active players in Quad. Okay, there we go. Baby steps, right? That that's that's what we're looking for here. Um, the other piece of news from this game is that Jalen Waddle uh, took a shot to the back of the head from Marte Mapu late in the game, which caused him to be ruled out, likely be in concussion protocol today. So, did we get any kind of clear next man up from Miami while Waddle was out? Uh, it was fairly late in the game, so it wasn't super clear what would happen. A uh, River Crawcraft was the player who took over, but we saw both him and uh, Eric Azukanma. I think that's the first time I've ever tried to say his name. (laughs) Um, Both of them have been the primary backup outside wide receivers to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell uh, throughout the first two weeks of the the regular season, as well as a decent amount of the preseason. So I would expect a pretty big rotation between those two wide receivers uh, F. Waddle ends up missing a game, and also uh, they like to just substitute Hill and Waddle out significantly during the games already, so they're both already seeing a decent amount of playing time. So because they would be splitting the playing time, I'm probably not targeting either of them off the waiver wire since they more or less would cancel each other out. And then Braxton Berrios will just remain the third wide receiver in three wide receiver sets. I don't foresee his playing time potentially changing. And then they also have Cedric Wilson, who's been inactive and healthy the last two weeks. So um, they like him enough to keep him on the roster at the very least. So he might also see a little bit of playing time if Waddle were to miss a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully Waddle gets back because obviously we don't want any kind of split there as, at, at the wide receiver two space because there's definitely room for somebody else to be fantasy relevant here other than Tyreek Hill um, in this offense. But if it's split like that, instead of the taking over the Waddle role, it's not as uh, interesting. So that's going to do it for, for the game recaps. We did have a couple questions kind of come in here um, from the comments uh, from the YouTube crowd. Uh, quick one, we'll give a percentage here for our friend Dylan, who is down exactly 11.36 uh, PPR points. He has Michael Thomas and a kicker left. His opponent has Pat Fryermuth. Let's give him a percentage point here. What do you think? What are his chances here? Uh, <laughs> so this is not off of any sort of mathematical model like I would yeah. like to do, and this is completely off my head. I'm even trying to decide if there's more than a 50% chance or less than a 50% chance since I think this will end up being a close matchup down to the wire and I don't even get to know what kicker this is. So that also impacts the thing, but I'm going to be the optimist. I'm going to say 55% chance. Hopefully you end up winning this one. I like it. I like it. The Browns defense is legit. Hopefully maybe they can smother Fryermuth there and we can get some nice Michael Thomas usage and then a big game for whoever your kicker is as well. So that'll be nice. Um, another question here we got, it's a trade question. Should I trade Damian Pierce for Jameer Gibbs? Pierce is in a three man running back by committee and Gibbs has great upside to be the RB one over David Montgomery. And then the context to it, it's full PPR one QB two running back two wide receiver, one tight end, one flex. I think this is a lot of how risk averse you are and how risky you want to be. I know Pierce is in a three-man committee, but it's two men sharing the passing down role. So it's a 
fairly similar to most teams two men committee it's just two people are sharing one person's role where pierce has the other person's role so i still for pierce's purposes view this more or less as a two-man committee so um they still really like running the ball with pierce so i think pierce is the safe option among the two i think he'll continue to see roughly 15 carries a game throughout the rest of the season where gibbs I really don't know how much he will see that increase in playing time. We saw him see a lot more work on passing downs this past week, and I expect that to continue going forward. But I don't see him overtaking Montgomery, at least in terms of rushing once Montgomery's back. So I think Gibbs will be limited to that passing down work. Um, We saw him see a ton of targets in this past game, so he should continue to see a lot of targets. But he also saw a targets per route that probably isn't all that sustainable in the game. So I think Gibbs has the higher upside of the two running backs, but there's also a chance that we continue to see Montgomery be the primary running back and Craig Reynolds in the time being be the primary running back. So Gibbs has the most upside if you want to shoot for that upside, but I think Pierce is the safer of the two options. Yeah, I like it. I mean, look at your roster too. If you have a lot of other safer options and you want to swing for somebody that does have higher upside, then yeah, go for for Gibbs there. But it's just a matter of how kind of risk adverse you are here. Um, we do have another question. Uh, do I trade, I guess this DeAndre Swift for, I'm guessing this Jamar Chase? Uh, if you can get Jamar Chase, I would get Jamar Chase. Yeah, yeah, I'm 100% with you. Definitely try to get that, especially we don't know what uh, the backfield will look like with Kenneth Gainwell back mixed in there for Philadelphia, but Jamar Chase will have much better games. So if you can get Jamar Chase 100%, I I would definitely do that. Um, Last question, uh, what do we got? Got any trade ideas for 10-team PPR? I have Trevor Lawrence, Bijan, Ramondre, Lamb, Ridley, Pat Fryermuth, and Tyler Lockett. My bench has DeAndre Hopkins, Drake London, Jerry Judy, and Javante Williams. So this is a uh, harder to answer without kind of knowing a lot more of the details, but um, any thoughts on that one? Um, I guess maybe I the, upgrades. Yeah. Probably the big thing that I would try to do is uh, package Pat Pryor with at least one, if not two of those backup players to improve at tight end. Yeah. That would be the big thing for me, or a quarterback would also be another option. I think, Trevor Lawrence, definitely happy to have him in my fantasy starting lineup, even in a 10-man league going forward. But if I can shoot even higher at quarterback, I wouldn't mind that as well. Definitely. All right, there we go. Um, But yeah, that's going to do it. Thank you guys for the questions as well. We really appreciate it. and uh, yeah, that's going to do it for today. So thank you for for tuning in with us live on Twitter and on the YouTube. Again, don't forget to like and, and subscribe to the PFF Fantasy YouTube channel. That gets us, uh, that helps us a lot. So uh, hopefully that gives you a better idea of everything that went down in this weekend's game as games as we head into the Monday Night Football doubleheader. Still trying to figure out why there are two games tonight, but hey, we'll yeah. take it. Uh, Nate, we'll be back tomorrow morning going live again to talk about the top waiver wire targets following week two. But uh, in the meantime, please remind the good people who want more great fantasy content what you have up on PFF.com this week. Yeah, so I had the recap that we just went over, but even more on miscellaneous details and whatnot on a couple of players we didn't have time to touch on. So if you're interested in going even deeper than what we talked about today, have that recap up. Also highlighted my top 10 recap, which we went over at least all 10 of those topics in this one, but also have my waiver wire article up today. So if you're dying to know which players you should be picking up off the waiver wire and can't wait for tomorrow morning, then we have the waiver wires ready to go. 
Uh, we'll have my Monday night football recap, and tomorrow we'll have five to add, five to drop, five to buy low, five to sell high, as well as my rest of season rankings. Let's go. Awesome. Uh, like I said, we'll be back tomorrow talking waiver wire targets. So hopefully we'll see you all then. Good luck in closing out your week two matchups with those Monday night football times two games tonight. And until next time, peace out.